Hello there. Welcome to episode 96 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for returning. And if you're not, allow me to introduce you myself. I am your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. You can follow me everywhere, but especially over on Twitter, on the Bluebird app, at Sir DRJM, where I'd love it if you tweeted at me, if you DM'd me, whatever you've got, questions for the show, comments for the show, topics for the show, uh, as they relate to Overwatch, as it relates to video games in general, as it relates to Blizzard, whatever you've got, bring it to me there, and I'd love to bring it to the show and interact with you. So hit me up on Twitter. Of course, that is if Twitter continues to stay alive. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz, of course. I also would encourage you, if you enjoy what you hear here, to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast available on podcast services everywhere. I'm, of course, the third chair over on Ready, Set, Pwn, along with my co-hosts, Chris and Alex. We talk everything going on in the Overwatch League, but most importantly, with the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, as we are all Canadian and we are all focused on the Canadian Overwatch League scene. So hit us up, Ready, Set, Pwn. You can join their Discord. You can find the podcast on podcast services everywhere. Um, It's a great community, so definitely check us out over there. Now, We've got a fair number of stories to get into this week. Uh, We've had a number of announcements, a number of exciting things develop over the past few days. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Good news, everyone. All right, our first story this week is actually going to be a required reading. That's right, bringing back one of the uh, older segments on the show. This is required reading. So, of course, this is a article that uh, I found and has obviously been circling around the Overwatch scene this past week, um, or the past couple days at least. I'm not going into the entire article here because I think this is one that, you know, really deserves the attention, and uh, you should really go check out yourself. Give give Liz Richardson the click here on the article, of course. Of course, it's my favorite Liz Richardson over on .esports.com. Um, but you definitely should go check it out because what it talks about is uh, important and worth reading about. Um, so I'll read the first little snippet, the the sort of intro here, just so you get an idea of what we're talking about. And then I will uh, include it in the description of the show. And of course, you could just Google it and head on over to DottieSports.com to find this article because uh, it's a good read. So posted on November 28th by Liz Richardson on DottieSports.com. This article reads, Concerns brew in Owl scene as New York Excelsior looks to build roster of underrepresented genders. The well-intentioned idea is a disaster in the making, say those contacted by the team. According to multiple sources, the New York Excelsior is intending to create an Overwatch League team made up of marginalized genders for the 2023 season. While this sounds like a well-intentioned concept, sources familiar with the situation say it provides nothing but a disservice to the very people the organization is trying to uplift. Representatives for the Excelsior are allegedly reaching out to high-skilled players of underrepresented genders, mostly those who played in the most recent Calling All Heroes Challengers Cup qualifier tournament. Calling All Heroes is an inclusivity program run by the Overwatch League to showcase the talent of players from underrepresented genders. The Challengers Cup finals will be held on Sunday, December 11th. With qualifier viewership reaching that of some of some owl games the success of the initiative has not escaped the eye of team owners that's where the idea has gone awry sources say so you can obviously see what this article 
is going to be about just from the title but also from that uh, intro there go check out what Liz has written up here she has talked to a number of sources um, a few people contacted by the organization but also just people providing um, you know sort of a third-party unbiased opinion on this and just it really just goes into um, I mean, like that first, that sort of byline of the article says there, it seems well-intentioned from the New York Excelsior, um, but at the same time, this is not the way to do it, uh, is, is sort of the general consensus that we're hearing. And also, to, uh, to the credit of the New York Excelsior organization, um, I don't see an update on this article, but it has since uh, sort of leaked or been creeping out that they may be backpedaling on this and, and you know, maybe uh, they realized that this isn't the direction they should go or perhaps uh, they saw the backlash kind of thing and realized that that's not the way to go about it. But I digress. Go check out this article. It's called Concerns Brew and Owl Scene as New York Excelsior Looks to Build Roster of Underrepresented Genders. And that's on .esports.com by Liz Richardson. Again, I'll include it in the uh, description of this show here as well. Now, let's move on to talk about our first news bite here so uh we're gonna rewind things a little bit here we're gonna jump back to last week when this broke uh well not really broke but was came out um and i'll uh, i won't actually read this entire article so again go check this one out uh give them the click i'm just gonna read a small excerpt from towards the end uh just to make sure this gets out there and psa everyone knows about it so again from dottiesports.com an article by emily morrow on november 23rd reached reads Overwatch 2 Twitch Drops, How to Get Weapon Charms and Souvenirs. So this does break down, um, you know, linking your Twitch account to uh, your Battle.net and all that jazz. Uh, but I'm just going to jump down to what the actual rewards are. Uh, some of them have already passed, of course, as this kind of happened in between uh, the past episode and this episode. Um, but regardless, here is the important part. So login rewards. There are Two cosmetic rewards that Blizzard is rewarding to players who simply log into Overwatch 2 during certain time frames. While they're not exactly the same as Twitch drops, they're also free and easy to obtain. Players who log in between November 22nd and November 27th will receive a free Junker Queen highlight intro. Uh, so that is, of course, passed already. So hopefully if you played over this past week, you already earned that. And players who log in between November 27th and December 2nd, so that would be the current period, will receive a free Kiriko highlight intro. There's also a Sojourn highlight intro available last week, but its availability period has ended. So that was actually before this article was even posted. So, of course, if you took part in the uh, past week's um, double XP weekend. Uh, of course, this was the final double XP weekend they were offering as sort of a make good from the um, uh, from the poor launch of the game. Uh, this was the final of three announced double XP weekends, uh, kind of in a lot of ways closing out or or helping I think get a lot of people across the finish line on that uh, first season of the battle pass. Um, that was this past weekend. That will be over by the time you're hearing this. But of course. I got in there. I got a lot of XP. Um, I believe in the end, uh, I mean, I'm still certainly going to play over the next week before the season ends, but currently I'm at about Battle Pass rank 95, so I actually wound up getting two of those uh, titles after, you know, after completing the Battle Pass, um, which is exciting. You know, I do like the fact that, yeah, okay, the main Battle Pass rewards end at 80, and, you know, you're getting rewards every every rank if you have the paid battle pass otherwise once you pass that you can still earn these titles i i do like the way they've done that so 
there you have it, some login rewards to make sure you get. Now it is time to move on to the interesting stuff. So of course, we're going to keep in tradition here with dottiesports.com. Actually, every article from this week, with the exception of talking about the actual Overwatch League uh, or Overwatch Twitter account, is going to be from Sports. so let's just get that out there now. This article is from November 26th, so that was, of course, just the uh, on the weekend there, on this past Saturday. This one, written by Eva Martinello, reads, Here are all of Ramatra's abilities in Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2's second season is coming soon, planned for December 6th, and it's bringing Ramatra to the roster, the upcoming tank. His abilities were revealed by a video trailer and detailed in an image earlier today, and they seem to offer great versatility, including a shield, crowd control, and AoE damage. Here are Ramatra's abilities in Overwatch 2. So, uh, we then go into a breakdown of the abilities. Now, the one thing I will say is go check out the um, the kind of uh, promotional images they released here because it does break things down. Um, you can find those on the Play Overwatch Twitter, so that's at Play Overwatch um, and you can definitely see them in, you know, the classic Overwatch 2 branded style where they, they talk about uh, what all these abilities do. But I'm going to read through the article here because it does break things down nicely. So, Ramatra looks like a mix between Sigma and Orisa in terms of gameplay. His shield resembles Sigma's and he can switch forms like Orisa. I'm not sure what that means. Orisa doesn't switch forms. But there's more to it. The upcoming tank's ultimate ability allows him to deal AoE damage around him and apply a damage reduction debuff to enemies for a duration that can change based on damage dealt. Keep in mind that the range and numbers of his abilities have yet to be revealed, which makes the tank still shrouded in mystery. Moving on there, we have our actual breakdown. So primary fire is his Void Accelerator. Ramatra's primary fire is pretty straightforward. The left click fires a stream of projectiles, while the right click generates a shield on the selected location. It's still unclear how many damage, how much damage the shield can take, and what pattern the left click fire will follow, however. So um, if you look at the, or if you watch the video here, um, you'll see how Ramatra looks while he's playing this this kind of mode. Um, so the right click to me looks a lot like actually uh, how Baptiste deploys his his ultimate, um, where you know you uh, you you I guess use the right click and then you kind of look at the spot you want to place it and it's just a a straightforward path in front of you, but kind of a um, hexagonal shield, uh, so a six-sided shield there, or six-edged shield, uh, but, you know, functions very similar to Sigma's, although Sigma's, you know, as you know, kind of projects outward, and then disappears, gets pulled back, that kind of thing. Um, we obviously don't know how much health the shield has, we don't know what the max range is on the shield, but I would expect it to be pretty similar to Sigma's, honestly, just because of how we've moved sort of away from shields in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, we still have Reinhardt, we still have... Um, or Re no, not Orisa, sorry, Sigma, and then we now have Ramatra. We also, of course, have uh, Winston's, but I think Winston's bubble functions a little differently, as does Zarya's. So anyways, that's uh, that's kind of where my head is at on that. Now, the uh, primary fire is an interesting one because, uh, again, we have, you know, we do see glimpses of that in the trailer. I'm actually just going to pull up the, the trailer here and see what it looks like when he's using his primary fire. Um, it, it looks... It's, it isn't super clear, I guess, how it really functions, if I'm being honest. Um, it, it's, you know, the trailer's obviously very flashy, uh, so you don't just get a clear, real, distinct shot of him attacking in this form, because, of course, you do in his later form, which we'll get to. But So it'll be interesting to see what pattern and uh, distance that has. Moving on from there, we have the Pummel switching to Nemesis form. 
So when Ramatra switches to his nemesis form, of course, he gains a slightly different moveset. And the first ability of Ramatra enables him to transform to a tankier version of himself for a short duration. The hero receives less damage but fires and moves slower. It looks similar to Orisa's tank form. I'm really quite confused by this Orisa's tank form. I guess that would be when she uses her fortify. Um, I've never really heard that referred to as a different form or whatever, uh, but I, I, it is what it is. I guess that must be what this, uh, this author is referring to. Second ability, Ravenous Vortex. This is where most of Ramatra's utility lies. It can be extremely powerful if timed correctly, although it's unclear if it works on all types of abilities. The Ravenous Vortex circulates a, or generates a circled zone where all players are pulled to the ground after a short delay. In the video, Echo falls where she's trapped in the Vortex. It's likely to be used to counter Farah and Echo, as well as heroes with high jump abilities such as Baptiste and Sojourn. We then move on to Ramatra's ultimate, Ultimate Annihilation. This ultimate looks straightforward. It transforms Ramatra into his nemesis form, which lasts for the duration of the ultimate's effect. In addition, the tank is dealing damage all around him and applies a debuff on the enemies, who will deal 50% less damage in the area. The ultimate can last longer if Ramatra deals damage to enemies in the effect, which seem to make it especially powerful to snowball around. Ramatra's planned to release alongside Overwatch 2's second season on December 6th. So that's the kind of breakdown that they provide in the article here. If I actually pull up the image regarding uh, Ramatra... I'm just going to pull that up here so that I can see it. So here's the official wording. Void Accelerator. So this was his primary fire. Fire a stream of projectiles in a fixed pattern. And then uh, the alternate fire on that. Create a barrier at the targeted location. So pretty straightforward there. Nemesis form. Pummel. Punch forward, creating a wave of energy with every swing. So that's we see that a lot in the video uh, where he's, you know, it's obviously timed nicely to the music and everything, where he's kind of got this rhythmic punching um, and these these blasts, kind of these energy waves kind of come out of it, out of his punches and just seem to take out people, but which is really cool looking. Um, obviously, it's not quite going to going to work like that, but um, and then we have significantly reduces damage taken from the front and reduces movement speed. So that, I think, is where the combination, or where a bit of a crossover with um, almost Doomfist and Orisa comes in. So it seems like he'll be able to punch forward uh, while still reducing his damage, which is what that uh, power block on Doomfist, or uh, I forget what the javelin spin kind of thing that Orisa does is, but seems like it will uh, kind of absorb some damage while also pushing damage outwards. The Ultimate Annihilation says, enter Nemesis form. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Enter Nemesis form and create an energy swarm surrounding yourself. The swarm will lash out towards nearby enemies, dealing damage and pausing the duration when damage is dealt. That's interesting. Okay, they actually had to, <laughs> to update the image, I guess, um, which is kind of interesting. I'm just reading in the comments. So... That's interesting. They somehow had the incorrect information in there. Anyways, Nemesis Form transforms into Nemesis Form, changing your attacks and gaining bonus armor. Ravenous Vortex fires a nano ball, which explodes when it hits the ground, spreading a damaging field. Affected enemies are also slowed and pulled downwards. So again, uh, they talked about that in the article a little bit there, but going to be really interesting to see how this works, um, how it truly plays, how it looks, how to play around it. Um, although I kind of disagree with the sentiment that uh, the ability, the ultimate is going to be super damaging, it seems to me like overall the the key to when this ultimate 
comes into play is give it space, you know, uh, back off, let it run its course, try not to die kind of thing. Um, you know, if you've got a Reinhardt, stick behind your Reinhardt so that, that you're shielded. Uh, unfortunately, the, the pummels do travel through shields. We know that already. Um, but ultimately, because of the sort of damage increase uh, in that area around him, it's going to very much be a, okay, this is when you disengage kind of thing. Um, so very, very interesting and very exciting. I'm very excited to see what Ramatra plays like. So now that we have the Ramatra details out of the way, of course, those came out on November 26th. That was, I think I mentioned already this past Saturday. Yes, that's right. On the Sunday, they also then released a the first in a five-part series of Ramatra developer updates. Um, it was interesting, albeit a little short for my liking. Uh, kind of struck me as, if they're all going to be this long, why'd you break them up into five parts? Why didn't you just release one video, like a 10-minute, 12-minute video kind of thing? So I'm hopeful that the other developer updates are... Um, a little more significant uh, as they relate to Ramatra, um, leading up to, of course, the uh, the launch of Season 2 on December 6th. But, continuing onwards, of course, those, uh, those dates were announced uh, on last week's episode. We talked about it. The Overwatch account tweeted out that they were having a Season 2 reveal, starting with the Ramatra gameplay trailer, moving on to the Ramatra developer update. And then, of course, on November 29th, which was today as of recording, uh, Tuesday, November 29th, we got our Season 2 gameplay trailer and our Season 2 content roadmap. So as I had suggested uh, in last week's episode, this was probably when, or this was when we would be receiving the information on what the theme of the Battle Pass was, a lot of looks at the skins and rewards, um, and some of the changes that we might see, and, you know, uh, I have to admit... The update was no slouch. I was very pleased with the amount of content we got in this. Um, there is a lot of, you know, for a relatively small um, uh, 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 video, there was a fair amount crammed in there and some, some reading between the lines that needs to be done if you want to grasp it all. But nevertheless, a lot of info. So let's kind of dive in there. So the first thing that I want to note um, is, of course, that we already know. Ramatra is coming, right? Season 2 begins December 6th. New Tank Hero Ramatra. That's the centerpiece of the promotional image they released here. Um, also, go check out the video. It's exciting. It's very hype. They've also unveiled a new escort map in the Shambali Monastery, uh, something that people had speculated greatly given the ties that it has to uh, Ramatra, and we knew Ramatra was, co was coming. Obviously, it has ties to Zen as well, given Ramatra is so integral to Zen's story, but uh, for now, we... We won't be getting a ton of story content, of course, uh, just reading between the lines and things like that. We're then also getting an all-new limited-time mode from January 5th to the 19th. We're getting the Battle for Olympus mode. So they actually haven't released much in way of details on this mode yet. Uh, we catch some glimpses of it in the trailer. Of course, it looks like it takes place on Ilios, and we actually see some uh, Ilios Ruins play where it looks like, to me, we're seeing a Junker Queen playing against a Reinhardt. Um, you know, are the characters in those cases a part of the limited time uh, event? You know, does one person have to play Junker Queen? Does one person have to play Reinhardt? Something like that. Uh, are those two characters more like uh, hero classes where they're buffed and everyone else has to work around them to accomplish a goal? Um, is it... I, yeah, I honestly, I, I don't know what else it could be. It strikes me as, you know, there might be some special abilities given some other things we see in the trailer. 
But right now, we don't know, other than knowing the sort of logo and the fact that it's called Battle for Olympus. And uh, obviously, we now know that the theme for this uh, this battle pass as well is uh, sort of a uh, Olympus uh, mythic, I, I don't know what to call it, Olympus mythic uh, uh, theme. I don't want to confuse mythic with the mythic skin, which we'll get to, but it does look to be uh, sort of a Greek mythology theme, I'll call it. So that's exciting. Uh, limited time mode, not something that we have seen all that frequently. And of course, in the past few years, we've kind of just been repeating the limited time modes. Uh, Junkenstein's Revenge, whatever it was called this year, was the first new limited time mode we've seen. Um, but this one is a different actual sort of uh, uh, gameplay in theory with different rule sets, not just a sort of cooperative experience. So I'm really excited to see what this is, um, see how fun it is and see, see how it works. Um, and also see what kind of new mechanics they've actually put into the game uh, for this. So exciting stuff. They then also highlight that there will be returning limited time events. So that, of course, means on December 13th, just about one week after Season 2 starts, running through January 4th, we are having a return to the Winter Wonderland event. So, of course, we're going to see Maze Snowball Offensive. We're going to see the Yeti Hunter, whatever that was called. Um, and all those classic Winter Wonderland events come back. And one thing that they also highlight in the video, um, and they have kind of talked about a little bit just here and there on Twitter and things like that, is the fact that they're actually going to have some of the seasonal skins returning. Um, so they haven't really said much in way of how they'll be unlocked and things like that. Um, I, I suspect it's going to be something along the lines of, uh, you know, for playing X amount of matches or playing, um, uh, I guess winning a certain amount and things like that kind of kind of I've, man i'm saying things like that a lot uh whatever they did with the uh, halloween terror event um in how you could complete specific individual challenges to earn some titles and cards and things like that oh my god there it is again uh i suspect it's going to be a similar thing so complete i i don't know complete five rounds of maze snowball offensive and you unlock uh, a previous winter wonderland uh, skin, let's say the the Torbjorn Santa Clad one, for example, or the uh, Roadhog Reindeer one, uh, both of which I have, I believe. So, anyways, I have a feeling that's that's kind of what it's going to be like, which is exciting, and it's nice to see that they're giving you a chance to earn those rather than just sticking them in the store. Now, I do think they're going to continue to just stick a lot of them in the store, but at least uh, it seems like they're listening to the audience because I know a lot of people were pretty upset about the fact that you actually couldn't earn any of the uh, classic Halloween skins just from playing. Uh, you basically had to buy them in the shop, which which was unfortunate. So I'm hopeful that they'll tie them to challenges, tie them to rewards, um, or something along those lines. They then also mentioned that another returning limited time event from January 17th through February 6th is the Year of the Rabbit event. So that, of course, associates or, or ties in closely with the Chinese New Year in the new year in 2023 um so exciting to see that one come back and also it strikes me that that will kind of close out the uh second season of overwatch 2 let's see december 6th so we'll run from december 6th to january 6th to february 6th so that's about two months which october to november november to december that's about the same length as the first season so that does make sense and if we look at this as well, that also means that for just about the entire time uh, of the Season 2 Battle Pass, they will have some of these limited time events, right? Uh, kicking off on December 13th through January 4th, so again, just a week after the season starts, 
We have Winter Wonderland. That rolls into January 5th through 19th, where the Battle for Olympus mode is going to be available. And then, of course, a tiny bit of overlap with that. January 17th through February 6th is the Year of the Rabbit. So exciting stuff there. Then, of course, we get into the new cosmetics and the Battle Pass. So, of course... Uh, I want to highlight the new cosmetics. Uh, go check out these skins if you haven't. Um, they are dope as heck. I'll actually talk about uh, a lot of them in a second here. Um, but again, highlighting that kind of Greek mythology theme. They've also highlighted in the actual promotional image in-season Twitch drops. Now this says to me that they are embracing Twitch again, uh, just like they have this past season, which has been great, uh, and tying some skins into uh, streamer Twitch rewards and things. And Oh my gosh, I'm not going to say it again. Um, uh, and something along those lines. Uh, they've got an image here of a Ramatra skin. It looks like kind of a maybe a Ramatra monk or Ramatra monastery skin. Maybe that's what it'll be called. Um, it's kind of Ramatra in some, some traditional, uh, you know, zen-looking robes. So... I like it, I like it. Uh, but again, I'll talk about those skins in a second here. They highlight in this image then the Season 2 Battle Pass. Unlock up to 80 tiers of rewards, just like last season. Premium Battle Pass access 60 premium tiers of rewards. Ramatra Instant Unlock, just like Kariko was. All new Mythic Junker Queen skin. Legendary and Epic skins, 20% XP bonus all season. So what I want to highlight in there, of course, is the fact that we know a couple things are not changing with this Battle Pass. So of course... Um, Ramatra being the new hero, instant unlock if you get the premium battle pass. The What they don't say here is if he's going to be at level 55 again. I had talked previously about thinking that that was a little too harsh um, for the casual player. I do still think that's the case. Now having you know completed the battle pass and everything with time to spare, um, the amount of time I did put in to, to get there was probably more than your average or your casual player is really going to play and i do think it's good to have uh or to allow someone that's new to to test out these these newer heroes and things like that but the overall i mean i do know that you do have some access to these characters so anyways um so there's that we don't know for sure what level ramatra will be at but i think it's reasonable to assume it'll be 55 again the other thing that they highlight here is the new mythic skin so all new Mythic Junker Queen skin. It is the Zeus Junker Queen skin. Uh, really good looking one. When they showed this off, I actually didn't realize it was the Mythic skin. And what I want to see is the uh, a sort of highlight of how the uh, customization works. Because with the Genji Mythic skin, I really, really dig the sort of options you have to change. Of course, you can change the face. You can change his blade on his back um, or you know what he pulls out when he ults. Um, you can change the sort of tattoo pattern on him, and you can change the sort of base color scheme, which is really awesome. So in the video, if you uh, watch closely, you will see there's a section or, or you know, a couple seconds there where they kind of rotate through uh, the base, or I guess what you would call the base uh, Mythic Junker Queen, Zeus Junker Queen look. And then they kind of rotate through the alternate color schemes. So we get a glimpse of a reddish tinted one. We get a bluish tinted one. Um, but what I don't see is that sort of change in the pattern that we saw in the Genji one. Because I really do think that's one of the things that makes the Genji one um, so impressive is that he's decked out in this sort of tattooed pattern. He's got sort of these tattoo sleeves that run right into his chest. And that's one of the items or, or sections you can customize on him. And I didn't really see that in the Junker Queen one. Um, 
I, you know, she's got this kind of uh, electrical glowing lightning bolt through her her abs. And I was hopeful that maybe like the color of that changes or or I guess not just the color, but probably like the pattern. Um, and I didn't really see that. It Now that I think about it, it did look like the color changed to suit the, the overall theme of it. Anyways, I'm nitpicking here. But overall, the point is I'm excited and I want to see more of this mythic skin. They then show off a bunch of the other skins, uh, which we'll talk about in a second here. Um, so they have actually also hinted and, and mentioned other places that they are looking at changing some of the um, some of the details around uh, the battle pass. I don't think that's coming in season two, just because that would be uh, you know I mean for all intents and purposes a very very quick turnaround. Um, I'm hopeful that with season three we could see. I don't want to say an overhaul, but we could see some significant changes. Given that we know uh, the um, single player or I guess PVE content, not necessarily single player, but given that we know the PVE content is supposed to come, I want to say they have told us with season three. I know they said 2023, but I want to say season three. I'm hopeful that the battle pass will include uh, some pretty significant changes and and not an overhaul but a, a new look kind of thing uh, where they'll they'll implement some of that community feedback and make some of these changes that I think people have been asking for so there you have it let's move on with our lives so next thing I want to highlight though is of course some of those skins uh, that we saw in the trailer um, so I've pulled up an article here, .esports.com, November 29th by Emily Morrow. Every new Overwatch 2 skin revealed so far for Season 2. So let's scroll on down, and I'm just going to basically look at the pictures uh, because they are sick. So we've got Minotaur Reinhardt, which is a dope-looking Reinhardt skin where he, as you guessed it, uh, is decked out like a Minotaur. He's got a Minotaur head with the bull horns coming out. Um, you know, his armor looks... Uh, very in line with the style of Reinhardt, but very, you know, Greek. Um, really kind of embraces the the look of this, um, uh, what what, do, what they call it? The, the Olympus, Olympus, Battle for Olympus kind of look to it. So awesome stuff there. Moving on from there, we have Cyclops Roadhog, which is a really cool Roadhog skin. I'm really excited for this one. Um, honestly, just, again, embracing the theme. Uh, some really cool sort of hints and uh, uh, features here, but ultimately it's the face that I love, this sort of Cyclops uh, head to him. The interesting thing is it's, it's almost like a, more of a Cyclops mask than anything, uh, which I kind of think adds to it. Uh, makes it makes it look a little more unique than if they just kind of made Roadhog's face look like a Cyclops, right? And I mean, is in theme with, with Roadhog as well, who of course wears the gas mask and, and some form of a mask on most of his skins, so... Then we've got a really cool Widowmaker skin in the Widow in the Medusa Widowmaker. Um, so obviously she's got a head full of snakes, which just looks awesome. She's very serpentine in this one. And they are also featuring some weird Hammond, some stoned Hammond here, where he's obviously turned to stone. I'm not really sure if that's a spray or, or what that is, but they've got it on the image here, and it looks cool. Um, the details on this one are really great. She's got a lot of jewelry, a lot of bling. Her gun in particular, very Greek architecture kind of look to it. Um, this one is this one looks really impressive um, overall. The, the funny thing about this one too is that Lucio has a similar skin called Gorgon, which was a Halloween event uh, skin for him a couple of years back. So I do like that one. He's got a head full of snakes on that one, but not anything near what this one looks like. So then we have our Zeus Junker Queen Mythic skin. Um, 
I'm excited for this one, but like I said, I really want to see what what the customization on this one is. Um, you know, as you can imagine, we've got Junker Queen looking like uh, the Greek god Zeus. You know, yellow kind of electrical hair, yellow electricity bolting out of her hands and her axe and everything like that. Um, the sort of lightning bolts coming down through her abs, as I said there. Um, overall, I'm really into this one. I am kind of glad that it's Junker Queen, just because that's not a character I'm super excited to have a mythic skin for. So if I don't end up wanting to complete the battle pass on this one, then I don't have to. Um, but overall, uh, a, a good look for her, honestly. I'm, I'm excited about this one. We have a, then have an unnamed Ferris skin that we're not really sure what it's called, um, but it is heavily detailed um, and decked out uh, with kind of a black almost could be Cerberus actually now that I think about it I was gonna say a black three-headed dog and that made me realize this must be a Cerberus type skin so we've got a dog on her chest and then one on each of her shoulders um, you know this this could easily be sort of a protector of the underworld or gatekeeper of the underworld type skin or something like that gatekeeper to Hades because that certainly is the vibes I'm getting from this one a lot of jagged edges a lot of darkness a lot of glowing yellow eyes so Really cool stuff there, and Farah's skin actually in this one is very, very yellow. So, Then we have the unnamed Ramatra skin, which does, they say in here, likely Poseidon. It does definitely look very water-themed. Uh, I, I, I think Poseidon is an easy guess. Um, he looks kind of fish-like. Uh, and and honestly, this is reminiscent of the swamp monster, swamp thing skin that Doomfist has, actually. But much more robotic looking, obviously, because it is Ramatra. And again, I am, I am blown away by the quality of these skins. I think these look absolutely stellar. We've then got an, on this article here, it says, Unnamed Lucio skin. I think it's clear that this is going to be a Hermes skin. Um, Lucio decked out in some winged helm. Um, he's got, you know, winged boots looking type deal on him. Uh, and overall, I mean, it's clear to me that he is Hermes, messenger of the gods. Then, pardon me, we have an unnamed Genji skin, uh, which is a little bit interesting. This one not looking as in keeping with the theme. Looks more like just kind of a Genji with a hood and some new reflective gear on him. Cool, I guess. We then have an unnamed Kiriko skin, which again, kind of a weird looking cut to her haircut. Um looks kind of goth girl in this one i'm not really sure what to do with that we've got an unnamed may skin which looks to maybe be celebrating the chinese new year um it is actually also featured with uh the echo skin that came out for the chinese new year i believe a couple of years back i can't quite remember what it's called i think it starts with a k it's it's a sort of bird type skin we then have ice queen brigitta uh which is going to come we know with the winter wonderland skin uh event and this will be a sort of new skin for that um reminiscent of a few of the other winter or, or ice queen type skins we've seen i know moira has one um i know uh sigma has the rhyme skin and i think this one looks kind of reminiscent of that we've got an unnamed bastion skin which is going to be gingerbread bastion if i am wrong about that you can find me in my sleep and shoot me because uh, this is very clearly a gingerbread made bastion which looks hilarious he's got these like gumdrop shoes and candy cane guns and everything it's it's pretty cool then we have an unnamed Anaskin, which does not seem to me to be in keeping with the theme at all uh it looks like an explorer Anna, kind of similar to the explorer or safari skins for winston uh that same kind of hat khaki look um and she's got a little canister on her back with some plant on it looks cool but you know 
nothing nothing too exciting we also have an unnamed echo skin which i do actually think looks very cool um reminiscent of her her car themed skins i think she has one that's like corvette no it's called hot rod um kind of reminiscent of that but the underside of the wings is like multicolored. this one looks I'm, I'm actually a big fan of this one as someone who's not usually a fan of echo skins we also have an unnamed tracer skin where tracer seems to be kind of a newspaper boy like a paper boy but back from the like i want to say 1920s in in yield england uh so that one's a little bit interesting and not necessarily in keeping with the theme and then we also have an unnamed symmetra skin here which i don't know what this is this one i'm very confused about symmetra looks like she could be from the matrix she looks like a spy or something but she has kind of a banner on her that has maybe a snake on it and then she's rather than conjuring her usual light balls she's conjuring kind of a what looks like a stone skull surrounded by snakes like snakes as its hair which is like reminiscent of medusa so i'm really not sure what's going on there um oh this actually shows a second unnamed echo skin which looks to be kind of a winged creature i'm not really sure what's going on with that one either anyways lots of new skins go check out these images they're really cool uh, especially those legendary ones i think they did a real stellar job with them this time around so go check them out moving on from there i know that was a lot about the new season and we're still not done yet there's going to be a little bit more to talk about with the new season so next up we're going to stay with .esports.com, this time with an article by Ethan Garcia on November 29th. That's right, today as of recording, which reads, Unlocking your favorite Overwatch 2 heroes is about to get a whole lot easier for new players. New over Oh, and this is what I was referring to uh, prior, so this is good. I forgot I had included this. New Overwatch 2 players are about to get a lot more freedom in which heroes they unlock for playing the game. As part of the Season 2 details introduced in a new trailer and blog post today, Blizzard revealed that hero challenges will be making their way into Overwatch 2 alongside the new season. This feature works similarly to Contracts in Valorant, where players can select the hero of their choosing to complete missions for and ultimately unlock in full. Previously, players completing the first-time user experience had to traverse through a multitude of tasks, such as playing a large number of matches to obtain heroes in a fixed route, not being able to prioritize the ones they wanted to unlock. But with this new hero challenges system, players will be able to choose the hero they want and complete their designated quests to unlock them in the path of their liking. Players who do not wish to play through these hero challenges, which will require them to try the new heroes in the practice range and use them in a number of games, can purchase the heroes individually through the in-game shop. While this will include new heroes like Sojourn, Junker Queen, and Kariko, the latest hero, Ramatra, will only be obtainable via the battle pass. I feel like that should have a caveat or brackets that says for now, because eventually Ramatra will be available through the challenges. This also appears to indicate that new heroes starting with Kuriko can be earned by players for free, rather than being tied to direct purchase only, though it is unclear if this system will remain in place for future seasons. While Blizzard has said there will be ways to earn new heroes about after their respective battle pass periods end, it was thought that these heroes would be exclusive to the in-game shop for purchase with premium currency only. These hero challenges are exclusive to new players of Overwatch 2 who do not have their data transferred from the original Overwatch. Those who do have data from the first game have access to all of the original heroes plus the three from Season 1 if they log in before the start of Season 2 on December 6th. 
there you go. So that's a little bit on unlocking heroes. I do like that quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it, for me personally, as someone who, I mean, I don't play Valorant, but I do dabble in Apex every now and then, and it would be cool if I could do something to unlock the, uh, the newer characters they've released in Apex and try them out. Uh, whereas I believe they actually only give you the ability to play the original eight. I don't even think you can unlock those other ones, um, without outright buying, uh, either the battle pass or buying them individually. I'm not sure what, what format they have there, but I could be talking out my butt. So anyways. Moving on from there, an article by Scott Robertson on DiceSports.com, which reads, Blizzard to shake up Overwatch 2's map pool with new monastery and several returning favorites. So this article I want to talk about, it's going to talk a little bit about the new map, um, which is fine. That's exciting that we're getting the new map, uh, the Shambhali Monastery. But it's also going to talk a little bit about the map pool, which is more why I'm including this article here. The second season of Overwatch 2 is set to be one filled with plenty of changes, including a new hero and a handful of hero balance updates and, of course, a plethora of new seasonal content. The iconic locations where heroes do battle will also be receiving a significant update, with big pending changes coming to the map pool. First, a new map in Shambhali Monastery will be introduced. The escort map serves as the home for both Zenyatta and the new Omnic tank hero Ramatra. Season 2 will also reintroduce two familiar favorites into the map main map rotation, Rialto and Blizzard World. Rialto, a popular escort map from the first Overwatch game, was immediately disabled for unrated and competitive play in Overwatch 2. Blizzard World will be sporting some new weather effects when it's added to the pool. Oasis and Nepal are staying in the pool, but the Season 2 preview post promises that players will visit these maps at different times of the day, hinting that we might be getting nighttime variants for these maps. Hollywood and Watchpoint Gibraltar will be removed from the competitive and unrated map pools are still available in custom games. The updates to the map pool are just a portion of the gameplay changes coming to Overwatch 2 in its second season. The balance changes to heroes will have a big impact on Sojourn and Doomfist in particular, among others, while the introduction of Ramatra should significantly shake up tank usage rates. Season 2 of Overwatch 2 is set to release officially on December 6th. So, there you go. Uh, just some info on the map pool. Um, obviously we're saying goodbye to Hollywood and Watchpoint Gibraltar, which sucks. I think those are two of the best maps that we have. Um, but I'm a big fan of Blizzard World. I really like Blizzard World. I, and I also really like Rialto. So I'm uh, happy to see those coming back as well. And of course, I'm really excited to see this, uh, Shambhali Monastery. Um, I think the new maps that we've seen thus far have been somewhat hit and miss just in the, uh, uh, not necessarily in the quality. I think they're all very quality. I just think that some of them, uh, in terms of how they play in the game modes that are on them, uh, actually play better than others. So the biggest example I have of this is uh, Esperanza compared to um, New Queen Street and Coliseo. Uh, I don't really like Coliseo that much. I find it to be a little too closed off, a little too uh, spread out. Um, and those kind of intertwining paths aren't really main paths, so it's very hard to actually um, utilize them and sort of turn the tide of a game. Um, they, it really strikes me as when someone takes a lead in Coliseo, they frequently are, are going to maintain that lead and come out with the win. I think New Queen Street is a little better about it, um, but I also think it's just a little more straightforward where it's, it's almost more of a simple map. Um, you know, we have our path, we have sort of catwalks or, or um, shortcuts through it that are relatively open and relatively direct. Because of that, it opens up the play a little bit more. Um, but ultimately, I think the best example of a push map we have is Esperanza, which has just 
intertwining pathways and multiple lanes and channels for attack, um, tons of avenues, tons of viewpoints. And I really think it is the most fun to play. Um, so that's that's kind of where my head is at on that. And a part of why I'm really excited to see this new uh, escort map. Um, obviously, I didn't even talk about Midtown there, which as a map, I'm not super in love with. Um, you know, I think it kind of follows a few of the tropes that they've they've used in other uh, escort maps. Um, you know, the one that comes to mind is the sort of underbridge crossing uh, in both Midtown and Watchpoint Gibraltar. Um, but ultimately, it's not bad. And I think it is sort of elevated by the fact that Escort, in my opinion, is is just inherently a more fun game mode. Um, Escort and the hybrid maps are, are probably my favorite, but I do really like Esperanza. So, And there you have it. That is sort of the breakdown of everything that's happened or broke over the past little while. Um, all of the news they've unveiled and everything like that. The one thing I did want to mention as well... Um, is, of course, the fact that uh, we do still have one more content drop coming before the start of Season 2. So this Friday, uh, so when you're listening to this, a couple days from now, likely, um, on December 2nd, we will be getting the a new map reveal. Now, the big question mark around this is they... I'm not 100% certain if they're saying we're getting the reveal of an entirely new map we've never seen before, or if they're saying they're going to do a deep dive into the Shambhali Monastery. I think they probably would have noted that it was going to be like a season two new map deep dive or something like that. I don't think they would say new map reveal, because new map reveal really states that we haven't seen this before. I think people would be upset if they were like, hey guess what? We're talking Shambhali Monastery. Like, I think they might lead with that. They might say, hey, guess what? Um, you know, we're really excited that we uh, recently unveiled the Shambhali Monastery, but we've got another map we want to talk about coming in season. I guess it would probably be season four at this point. So season one was hero and map. Season two is hero. Season three. No, I guess I think season three is a new map, but no new hero. And I think season four is the next new hero. I could be wrong there. I'd have to look that up. But anyways, I'm excited. Uh, you know, it's really fun that they're kind of drumming up this hype, uh, that they're sort of trickling this stuff out to us, but not trickling it in a way that feels greedy or drawn out. Um, I think, you know, the 26th, 27th, then, you know, take the Monday off, reveal the gameplay trailer and the content roadmap on the 29th, I think is a great way to do it. Give that a little bit of time to breathe and then, you know, end the week with the new map reveal, I think is a great way to do it. And then, of course, Tuesday after that, you know, by the time I'm recording next week, uh, we'll be playing season two. So there you have it. And that actually is going to close out the news section of the show. So now that we're all finished with that, we're going to head on over to one of my favorite parts of the show, the Overwatch League 2023 offseason trade tracker. I feel unstoppable. All right. So, of course, I always mention that this is the, uh, what's it called? Overwatch League 2023 offseason trade tracker presented by Liz Richardson on .esports.com, uh, where she does maintain a list of the ongoing movement in the Overwatch League. Um, so I do like to bring this up every episode in the offseason, just in case there are any changes, anything to announce. Um, this week, a little bit slower on the news front. Uh, we do have some interesting updates to provide. 
and I'm actually for the first time going to use another site as well. Uh, so this is actually also going to come from thegamehouse.com with the 2023 Owl Offseason Roster and Free Agency Tracker by Brian Rockwood, uh, which it appears he started on November 22nd, so about a week ago. But I really like the way he presents things in here. So I'll start with Liz's and then I'll jump over to the, uh, the Game House and talk about that one. So last week we ended things off on November 22nd with the Atlanta Reign naming Gator as head coach. Then Atlanta started making some moves. So on November 23rd, the Atlanta Reign acquired Stalker from the Seoul Dynasty and parted ways with Kai. Two very shocking moves. First of all, uh, Stalker coming across from the Seoul Dynasty, obviously, is a big surprise. Um, Seoul obviously doing a bit of a rebuild just like everyone else. But Stalker looking to be one of the pieces that I would have thought Seoul might keep. And then Atlanta parting ways with Kai. Kai being one of the parts that I would have thought the Atlanta Reign would look to keep. So very interesting move there. We then go to November 24th, where Shanghai Dragons part ways with Iziaki, head coach Moon, and assistant coach Kong in, again, more shocking updates. Um, really surprising to hear these, this movement from the Shanghai Dragons. Um, and of course, the bomb drops then that the Atlanta Reign add lip to their roster with a tweet today we are extremely thankful to be announcing another 2023 roster edition please give a warm welcome to at so cute lip the newest member of atlanta rain welcome to the team lip absolute bombshell just stunning um atlanta rain bringing over one of the championship shanghai dragons players just talk about unexpected right in, in every sense of the word then, of course, we move on to November 25th with our final update for the trade tracker. Uh, we actually don't have any updates to the free agency list. Um, but November 22nd, no, sorry, November 25th, 2022 is what I meant to say. The Paris Eternal adds Empress as head coach. So they tweeted out, flying with us to Vegas. Welcome at iHeartEggTart as the new head coach of Eternal. So, of course couple interesting things to note there first of all this is our first female head coach in the overwatch league so really exciting stuff there second if you look up her history and you uh look into her liquidpedia and stuff like that liquidpedia and a lot of the comments and the general consensus around this this is a great move apparently she is uh very deserving of this so i'm excited to see that the third thing i want to highlight here is in the tweet from the at paris eternal that's right they are still at paris eternal their account is called paris eternal account they say as the new head coach of Eternal. They do not say Paris Eternal. They do not say Vegas Eternal. Despite the fact that they have the graphic here, which is actually highlighting the fact that they are going to Las Vegas. Um, it's you know got a little picture here that's designed to look like a plane ticket, and it says twice on there, LAS, um, Las Vegas. So anyways, I just find that interesting that they're not actually mentioning that. But anyways... Very exciting to hear about this uh, signing. I know nothing because Empress has been a Contenders League coach for a while, as I understand it. Um, but I'm very excited to see what kind of an impact she has on the scene. So that is that. Now, I do want to jump over again to thegamehouse.com because the way they actually break down their uh, trade tracker here is by team, which I really, really like. So if we look at the Atlanta Reign right now, they have... Uh, Gator as the new head coach. They have Hawk returning as the tank. They now have Vigilante, which I believe may have just been announced today, so that one was not in the trade tracker there. Um, but Vigilante is signed with them as support for 2023, returning to Atlanta. And then they have uh, 
uh, Sefi returning as an analyst. Uh, he was previously a coach. Um, so anyways, interesting stuff there. Uh, do they not list Stalker here? Oh, uh, you know what? So then if I jump down to the Seoul Dynasty, you will see Stalker listed as new team slash role Atlanta Reign. So there you go. That's that's kind of where I was getting confused there. Sorry. Again, I'm new to looking at this. But this kind of shows you the current status of the previous team, right? Um, everyone else on that team is either LFT. No, in fact, they are all LFT. LFT. If we look at a team like Boston, every person there is LFT, with the exception of Ascoft, who is, of course, announced as the new head coach of the Vancouver Titans. Chengdu Hunters, they actually have in the LFT column everyone listed as no and that's because nothing has been announced from these uh, players or the organization so we don't actually know anything about that Dallas Fuel everyone is LFT uh, again as we know they're being allowed to explore their options if we look at uh, the Florida Mayhem there's a few that are LFT but Checkmate, RuPaul, Someone, Gunba all listed as not LFT which is interesting right are they returning? Are they making another deal? Who knows? If we then come down to the Guangzhou charge, we of course have a bunch of LFTs listed as no because nothing has been announced, with the exception of Krong, who is listed as retired. So uh, again, I just like the format this this is all presented. So Hangzhou Spark, we have a bunch of non-information. Houston Outlaws, non-information. London Spitfire, we have a number of players returning to London. So Hadi, Admiral, Landon, um, as well as Backbone. And then, of course, this leads me into my final article that I want to talk about of this week, which is Poco in the tank role has announced he will be retiring. So let's jump on over to an article by Xavier Johnson over on .esports.com post on November 27th here, and I'll read a little farewell to Poco. Then we'll jump back into the game house and we'll close things out there for the trade trackers. So this reads, One last bomb, veteran tank Poco retires from professional Overwatch. The master of the Diva Bomb is calling it a career. With five seasons under his belt in the Overwatch League, Poco is retiring, he announced earlier today on Twitter. As one of the Overwatch League originals, Poco was a part of the Philadelphia Fusion for four years before signing with the London Spitfire for the 2022 season. With the Fusion, he helped lead the team to the Grand Finals in the inaugural season. He became a consistent part of the Fusion core alongside Carpe. With Poco and Carpe departing from professional Overwatch, there are no players from the Season 1 Fusion roster that are currently signed to a team. The two-time All-Star signed with the London Spitfire, a young roster where Poco was the elder statesman of the team. In the minutes he was called upon, Poco had still showcased his sharp skills and proven ability to contribute to a winning team. The Spitfire team would go on to exceed expectations with a 5th place finish and a 14-10 overall record. In the league, Poco has only missed the playoffs once in 2019 out of five seasons of com competition. Poco was a prolific off-tank player during the 6v6 era. He entered the league as a flashy player that was consistently nailing D.Va self-destruct multi-kills, known throughout the community as Poco Bombs. He was a player that shined in the season one dive meta alongside his superstar DPS partners. Entering the 2020 season, the Fusion picked up another elite off-tank player, Fury, which called into question how Poco would fit into the team as the apparent number two option in his role. It didn't end up being much of a concern. He found a solid role on the team as both a strong veteran presence and an elite Sigma player that started the season as hot as any player in the league. Finding his role and succeeding in it is something Poco was great at. Before entering the Overwatch League, Poco was a centerpiece star for a gamer's origin, leading them to success in the French scene. On the France Overwatch World Cup roster, he would help the team secure a 4th place finish in 2018. 
He was a crucial part of helping the new crop of Fusion players acclimate to the team each season. Poco remained one of the most beloved and popular players throughout his five years of competition. He would act as one of the faces of the league and behind the scenes. All indications were his peers respected him as one of the prof of professional Overwatch's original players. So there you go. Just wanted to wish Poco a farewell, a, a good tidings, and a happy send-off into the sunset as he retires from professional Overwatch League play. Um, you know, an, an all-star by all means, uh, and an OG in every sense of the word as well. Obviously, we wish him all the best in his future endeavors. And with that, oh, we're going to head back to the uh, off-season, the, 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 what is this thing called? The 2023 Owl Offseason Roster and Free Agency Tracker uh, that I was going through. That's right. I almost closed the tab, but we'll breeze through this. So LA Gladiators, they actually have most of these players listed as uh, not LFT, with the exception of Happy, who is LFT. Now, it's interesting here because they don't list Reiner as uh, signed to a team, whereas I, as I believe it, he is. But I think that's more just the formatting here. Los Angeles Valiant, we actually have nothing listed here, really, because nothing is really none. All of them are listed as LFT, except for Hacker. Uh, but anyways, that is what it is. New York Excelsior, everyone is LFT. Paris Eternal, everyone is LFT. Well, it's a mix of LFT and not LFT, but it's unclear what exactly the situation is there. Philadelphia Fusion, we have MN3, Zest, uh, Coach Jin, Coach Chara, and Coach Sungmin, all returning to the Philadelphia Fusion. San Francisco Shock. With Kasora, it's listed as Toronto Defiant, head coach, and nobody else listed as anything. Soul Dynasty, we have Stalker, listed as Atlanta Reign, of course. Void, on the Shanghai Dragons, retired. And then Lip, of course, Atlanta Reign. Moving on to the Toronto Defiant, everyone is LFT. The Vancouver Titans, everyone is LFT, with the exception of Masa, who is listed as retired, and Aspire, who is an N on the LFT column. Washington Justice, everyone is LFT. And other than that, we have, oh, we have a list of former Owl. A lot of just former players, apparently. Uh, oh, that are or have announced to be LFT. So here we have Gargoyle LFT, previously on Florida Mayhem. Diem LFT, previously on the Shanghai Dragons. Uh, Bird Ring LFT, previously Gladiators. Let's see, who else do we got here? Who's interesting here? Uh, Psycho, previously LFT on the Vancouver Titan, or LFT previously on the Vancouver Titans. Um, let's see who else they have included here. Slime. LFT previously on the Van on the Florida Mayhem, but of course we know them from the Vancouver Titans, or we know him from the Vancouver Titans. Um, anybody else that's interesting here? KDG, Coach KDG, LFT, but previously head coach for the Toronto Defiant, of course, um, and a few others. So there you have it. That's uh, that's kind of the the overall breakdown of the trade tracker and where we're at with everything. And with that, honestly, I think the only thing we have left to do is close out the show. How droll. And with that, that brings us to the end of episode 90, 95, 96 of One Man Watchpoint. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials, but you can especially reach me over on the Bluebird app at Sir DRJM, where you can tweet at me, you can DM me, whatever you want. You can bug me over there uh, with questions, comments, concerns, topics, whatever you've got for the show, and I will bring them over here as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch League, or of course, video games in general, because I love to talk about video games. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And, of course, 
If you enjoyed the sultry sound of my voice, please check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant and Canadian Overwatch League. So there you have it. That's everything for episode 96. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you, actually, PSA, we'll catch you not next week, not on December 6th or 7th, but December 13th or 14th, as we will now be transitioning officially to the every two-week rotation. Uh, So, of course, again, if you like the sound of my voice, check out Ready, Set, Pwn, posting every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, I should say, and then every other Wednesday from that, you can catch the one-man watch point with me. That's going to be it for now. We'll catch you in two weeks' time on December 13th or 14th. Goodbye.